I'm not going to freak out now. I'm I'm calm. I'm cool. I've done my box breathing here on After Hours to be ready for our second ever guest spot with Kurt Warner. So thrilled to have the Hall of Famer back on the show. Listen to him along with Kevin Harlan, whose voice you also heard there every Monday on the Westwood One broadcast of Monday Night Football. And since they are on the West Coast and we're doing the game in Los Angeles, the timing is working out for tonight. We are live from the Rocket Mortgage Studios. Whether you're looking to purchase a new home or refinance yours, Rocket Mortgage can help you get there. For home loan solutions that fit your life, Rocket can. This game went down to the wire, and it was overtime that we got yet again with two offenses that didn't want to get into the end zone. Hopkins ready. The snap. Ball put down. Kick is away. End over Rand. It's good. It's good. The Chargers have won. And they have never led until now. And the pain so excruciating that Hopkins, after the game-winning kick, falls to the turf, holding on to his leg. But he's won it. He's won it. Well, he almost felt as the way the game was going tonight with the defenses playing the way that they were, that it was going to come down to some kind of turnover, some kind of play, setting up their offense in good field position because he didn't feel like either offense was going to be able to work the distance of the field. And what a bummer for that young returner, Washington. Montrell Washington, yes, had his own teammate run into him. And so for that reason, did not catch the ball that was punted. And yes, led to a short field. And as Kurt Warner indicates, uh, it was a setup for Dustin Hopkins. And that call there on Westwood One. So right now, we are pleased to welcome the Hall of Famer and analyst, Kurt Warner, to the show. It's always a privilege to connect. And just for fun, let's start with the kicker. (laughs) He was out there, Dustin was, with an injured hammy. And he still made four fields goals does he earn your respect as a quarterback if he plays injured you know they're they're always a little bit odd a little bit weird but (laughs) but yes if you do that you earn a little bit more respect from us so that uh you know i mean playing injured and and wondering if you're going to go out there and then to kick four field goals and and the game winner i mean yeah you you learn a little bit more respect from all of us (laughs) but we're all still kind of looking at him from the side eye just going "Eh, he's still a kicker I heard before the game uh, that you talked about Russell Wilson and the Broncos offense is looking uncomfortable, just not in a rhythm. And I had such high hopes when they started this game. It looked like they'd finally found some of that rhythm, but it kind of petered out. So as a quarterback, how do you get everybody on the same page? Well, I mean, I think it's a hard thing, Um, you know, first and foremost, because as we were talking about in our pregame is that you can have two offenses where, you know, you look at a particular play and you go, oh, this play is very similar to what I ran in Seattle. Yet there's always different nuances that, you know, the coaches teach it a little bit differently. It's called a little bit differently. Maybe the depth of a, of a route is a little bit different. And so although it, you know, to a degree feels like, oh, okay, this is familiar to me. There's all always little differences that, that play in. And then you have to add in the whole fact of, oh, now we got to get into a game. And what is this guy going to do in a game if he gets this look? Or what's he going to do if he gets that look? And so drawing it up on a board and on paper is completely different than the scenarios you face in game. And those are all the things that add to getting comfortable. It's a quarterback being able to visualize a play, know exactly what everybody's going to do, how it ties into the drop that he's going to to make. And then, okay, maybe we're going to run this with four different receivers. 
Now, what are they all going to do when we see this scenario? And sometimes that scenario is seen for the first time in-game. And now you've got to go, okay, what's he going to do? I'm going to throw it here because I think he's going to do this. And then if he doesn't, now what happens? You know, now they look at you and go, what's the idiot doing? They're like, well, <laughs> why is he throwing it there? You know, the guy's going somewhere else. So those are all the, the different things that we kind of think, oh, the quarterback's really good. And he's probably run this play a number of times. So he's just going to pick up where he left off when he comes to another team. And it's just not that easy. I, I've always believed, you know, having played in some different systems, that it takes about 12 months, like a full year in a system so you can, you know, because normally when you go into a new system, you kind of translate back. So, mm. you know, think about, you know, learning a new language, right? When you learn Spanish um, and, you know, you say some word in Spanish, the first thing you do is, is say, okay, what is that in English? Okay, and then you – and think about trying to play a game of football when you get a p- call into the huddle and the first thing you do is go, okay, what, what does that calculate to when I was in Seattle? Okay. <laughs> You know, you have to think about the game instead of just reacting and visualizing what you're seeing. And all of that stuff goes in when you're learning a new offense, no matter how good you are. I mean, Tom Brady went through it. You know, we went through half a season in Tampa his first year going, oh, my gosh, are these guys going to be any good? You know, even with the greatest quarterback of all time. And so those are things that fans just kind of expect, you know, to come easy and, and to be natural for guys. But it really does take a long time to be able to get to the point where you can just settle in, be comfortable, as we're talking about, and play football. You mentioned on the Westwood One broadcast that the Chargers, you had some higher expectations for them, considering that their quarterback, along with their head coach, now they've been together for a couple of years. So what do you see with them that's holding them back a little bit? I just, and I've seen it with a lot of teams this year, is that when you watch them, you can't necessarily put your finger on Okay, what's off here? But a lot of teams, their offenses look choppy. So it doesn't flow. You know, like you don't see them, you know, get in and make one of these drives where it's just kind of like bang, 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 and it just works, and now we're in the end zone. And that's kind of what it looks like to me with the Chargers is that they've got a really good quarterback. They've got really good players across the board. But it just looks choppy. You know, just like tonight, they could never really get anything going and establish any kind of a drive and and create big plays down the field and um, and I can't really put my finger on okay what is it that's holding them back and stopping them from being able to do that but you know I've been a little disappointed with their offense because it has been choppy and probably more disappointed until tonight with their defense you know JC Jackson you know comes over and Khalil Mack and you know you already have Boza and you have Dur- Derwin I mean you just look at these guys on paper and you're like these guys should be dominating mm. with what they have offensively and defensively, and it just hasn't worked out like that up to this point. And so, um, you know, I'm going to continue to watch and try to see if I can figure out what it is. Um, but the biggest thing is you just want this team to develop that killer instinct. For so many years, the, you know, kind of MO of the Chargers is, okay, every game's going to be close, and then they're probably going to lose the close game. <laughs> and you know, you just want to see them when they get up on teams to be able to kind of, you know, put the, the hammer down yes. and finish teams off because they've got all these great players, and we just haven't seen that yet. Mm. Tom Brady told us he's seeing a lot of bad football around the league. So now through six weeks, would you agree with that or no? I, I would, and that's kind of what I mean when I was talking about choppy. teams being choppy. Yeah, is that you just don't see teams coming out and, and clicking 
on all cylinders. And, you know, we've got a couple of them. Philly, I mean, looks really, really good. Jalen Hurts playing great. I think Kansas City and Buffalo, we, we've seen some really good things from them. Um, but, yeah, I mean, the Packers, you know, are, are struggling. The Bucks are struggling. Um, you know, we've talked about these two teams tonight, the mm-hmm. Raiders. I mean, all these teams that, that you feel like have the pieces aren't playing very good football. And, and we were actually talking about it, I think, off the air tonight was just – and I think Austin Eckler, you know, actually mentioned it in our postgame interview, how he, doesn't, he didn't play in preseason. And you're seeing so many more guys and so many more quarterbacks not playing in preseason – and you wonder what kind of effect that has on, you know, these teams. And, you know, I think back to the beginning of the season and you go, hey, Patrick Mahomes played a lot in preseason. <laughs> uh, Josh Allen played some. He didn't play a lot, but he played some. Jalen Hurts played. You know, and, and you start to wonder if some of the choppiness, especially early in the season, has to do with these guys not playing together. And especially if you put guys in a new situation and, Russell Wilson doesn't play, and Derek Carr doesn't play with Devontae Adams in a new offense. And, and you start to wonder, oh, maybe that has a big effect on, you know, how they come out of the blocks early and how long it takes them to really find their rhythm. We're so excited to spend a few minutes with Kurt Warner, fresh off Westwood One broadcast of Monday Night Football. Another overtime thriller, this one from L.A., and he's also a Hall of Fame QB, so good to pick his brain a little bit here on After Hours, CBS Sports Radio. Is there no way to fix it other than just reps? Because I guess that's the million-dollar question, right? How do you get there? Well, I think, you know, for me, I've always felt like, so kind of visualize this, is that you could take, three really good quarterbacks, three Hall of Fame quarterbacks, and you could draw a play up on the board, and you could have one Hall of Fame quarterback that loves it, one that says, oh, you know, it's okay, I can deal with that, and then one that goes, I hate that play. <laughs> and you might look at that and go, how is that possible for three really good quarterbacks to not, you know, all feel the same way about a particular play? But we all see the game differently. We play the game differently mentally. And I've always felt it was so important for an offense coordinator or offensive play designer or play caller to see the game the same way as their quarterback or to learn how their quarterback sees the game so they can create plays and call plays accordingly. And so that to me becomes a big part of this process with, you know, these new coaches coming in with these new quarterbacks and, you know, just thinking, Hey, I'm going to take this offense that I ran in new England and we're going to run it in Las Vegas and it's going to be seamless. And then you have Derek Carr going, I don't know if I really, I'm really feeling these plays. I don't, they don't really make sense to, to how I see the game. And then there's that you know, lack of continuity. Install my offense and you're trying to install it for this quarterback and you're designing new plays each week is being able to develop that understanding of the guy behind center, the guy with the ball in his hands on every play. How does he see the game? How does he process these different plays, and I've got to find a way to build my offense around the way he sees the game. Otherwise, it's always going to feel like it's choppy, and it's always going to be like you know the quarterback is fighting these plays and fighting to make them work because they're not fully confident in it because they're not seeing it or it's not being built the way that they play the game. Sounds like a friendship or a marriage relationship. Got to figure out how to communicate and get on the same page, right? <laughs> I, I think there's a little of that for sure. And, <laughs> and, and then you have to just like a relationship, you got to figure out who's going to win out in the end, right? <laughs> if you've got, you know, if you've got a coordinator that really likes what he's doing and then you have a quarterback that doesn't like it and wants to do some other stuff, who gets to win out in the end? And 
I'm always a believer that the guy on the the field mm. has to win out in the end. You know, my wife's always got to win out in the end, but I can't. <laughs> I can't feel like I'm always going to be the winner and it's going to be my way. Is that you got to figure that out? But I, I, I just don't believe any team's ever going to be really, really good until you build around your quarterback and you find a system that fits him. And and you see very few quarterbacks that really excel from one system to another. Peyton Manning did, but if you go and talk to the people that were around that, Peyton basically took his offense and ultimately it became the Broncos' offense. You could say the same about me going from you know St. Louis to Arizona. Is it took some time, but eventually the offense that we developed was very similar to what we did in St. Louis um, because we were built that way, and because it was how I felt I played my best football. And when we got there, we started having success, and so that becomes a key component with these quarterbacks or these new coaches that are coming in to be with these new quarterbacks is making sure that it fits what that quarterback does well. And I think that's the only way to truly have great success. Big topic around the NFL the last couple of weeks, and we had another couple of instances on Monday Night Football roughing the passer. So as a quarterback, Kurt, how would you define it, or how should it be defined? Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's really, really hard. I mean, you know, I give our officials so much credit to see all the things that they see at the speed of the game and to get so many things right um, that, you know, the, the roughing the passer becomes a really, really hard one because, you know, you're looking at so many different things and we've got rules in place to protect the quarterback. And I think we all understand why, because it's a quarterback driven league and we want those guys out there. We want our best players out there, but it's really hard to see. Like we had one tonight. Um, I'm not sure who it was that, that got called for it, but um, as he was rushing, he got hit from the side by an offensive lineman that was knocking him to the ground as he was trying to tackle the quarterback and ends up hitting Russell Wilson, you know, semi low. And as soon as they see a quarterback get hit low, the flag comes out. Right. Um, you know, the, the Grady Jarrett hit on, on Tom Brady, um, you know, after what happened with Tua, I remember watching that play the first time. And I thought I saw that, you know, that, that the speed of the swing, by Jarrett as he was taking him down. And I'm like, okay, this is a penalty. Just it's coming. And then, you know, Jarrett seemed to kind of like let up at the end and kind of lay Tom Brady down on the <laughs> turf without, without throwing him down. Like I thought he was going to. So I thought the same thing in the moment, like this is a penalty that is swinging him down. We just saw what happened to two or they're throwing the flag here. And then the end of it happened. And then I thought, well, well, hold on, stop. Don't throw the penalty because I don't think it was that bad when it was all said and done. And so we're asking an official to see all of that where I'm sure he saw the swing and everything went through his mind and that flag was coming out and didn't really have a chance to kind of take it all in and go, well, should that really have been a penalty or not? And I, I think, you know, the Chris Jones thing, very similar. Maybe didn't see the ball coming out and didn't see all of that aspect and just saw the full body weight fall on Derek Carr. And that's by the letter of the law, it's a penalty. So, I think we're trying to get it right. I, I think it's going to be hard to get it right with the rules, and, and I don't really know what the answer is. I mean, I, <laughs> I would love for them to review it mm. and to have somebody really look at it and go, should that or should that not be a penalty here? But I, I, don't, I don't really get the sense that we're even thinking about or considering that. So now we're going to be subject to the speed of the game and all the things that are happening and the letter of the law 
And I think we're going to have a lot more roughing the, the passer penalties that we're all going to sit back and go, that's, that's just a football play. Um, but all in the vein of trying to do the right thing and protect that position, which I think every one of us completely understands. Kurt Warner is with us here after hours on CBS Sports Radio. Speaking of Tom Brady yesterday, and really any time he does it, when he gets angry or is emotional and animated on the sidelines, there's a video that captures it for the whole world to see. <laughs> and yesterday it was him yelling choice words at his offensive lineman. How often does that kind of thing happen? I mean, now it's scrutinized with cameras everywhere, but does that happen a lot where guys kind of get fired up and yell at each other on the sidelines? It does. It happens a lot. And, and I think it probably happens the most between quarterbacks and offensive linemen. Um, you know, when, when we're getting hit or, or, you know, we don't feel they're doing their job because obviously we can't do ours without them doing theirs, um, that sometimes we've got to get on them. And, we, you know, we've we got to get after them. And sometimes it happens in the huddle. and Sometimes it, it happens on the sideline. Um, but, yeah, I think that's, you know, that's a normal course of action, um, you know, in, in a lot of football games when – you know, we're not having the success that we want. The first group that you go over to is the offensive line, you know, whether we're not running the football well enough. Come on, guys. Like, you got to pick it up. Or if I'm getting hit a lot and, and you know, and, and you're getting beat up and it's like, okay, you know, come on, we got we to figure this out. And so, um, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't really think a lot about interactions that happen on the sidelines, um, you know, especially when they happen here and there because it's – part of football yeah. and you know I have my kids say that all the time they bring up one incident where I was yelling <laughs> at my coach coming off the field and every time something happened they're like hey you remember that time that time that you were yelling at your coach yeah you know yeah, that was terrible that you know like they bring it up all the time and <laughs> you know I didn't get into those kind of situations very often but sometimes it happens like that and you get after it and I think the biggest thing is just to go hey you know I respect you know, guys that get on me or coaches that get on me because I understand they're just trying to get the best out of me. And I want them to understand the same thing, that I'm not attacking a person. I'm just attacking a problem. And we've all got to look at it that way. And, you know, I wonder if it became a bigger deal yesterday because of, you know, Tom Brady and some of the situations that he's gone through with 11 days off and then going to Robert Kraft's wedding. And, you know, you, you just wonder if it gets elevated a little bit because of those things where really in the big picture of anybody that's played ball or anybody's played offensive line or quarterback would look at that and go, Oh, that's happened a million times. That's normal. Yeah. Gotcha. So before I let you go, I have to tell you, I learned the term hot options by listening to you tonight. I had not heard that term before. So that was cool. And I don't, I don't know how you have time for it, but obviously you started QB confidential in addition to all the other uh, things that you've got going out there. If I were to check out QB confidential, would I learn more terms like hot options? What would I be in for? Oh my gosh. (laughs) You, you would learn all kinds of stuff. So I've got a couple different things. So I've got qbconfidential.com which is a teaching website. So that has everything from, like you're talking about, terminology, what I call blackboard breakdowns. It's got playbook design. It's got film study. It's got technique stuff. So that's really for, uh, anyway, I've got lots of people that use it, but it's a real in-depth teaching tool. And then I've also got my QB Confidential uh, YouTube page where I do film study every single week and you're going to find a lot of that stuff you know I'll 25 30 minutes on you know the Chicago Bears today 
And so it's breaking down the game and all of its elements from the quarterback perspective. So uh, there's a couple different means of being able to use it. But, yes, you will learn a lot of different terminology uh, and things that we talk about as quarterbacks. Oh, it sounds so deliciously nerdy. It sounds amazing. (laughs) It is football nerdy. If you're a football nerd. You need to see it every single day. <laughs> you can find Kurt on Twitter at Kurt13Warner. Where did you get the caricature with the lightsaber, by the way? The Cardinals actually boasted that a, about a year ago. <laughs> and so I just stole it from them. And, uh, yeah, Obi, Kurt, Novi or something like that. So uh, I thought it was pretty sweet. So I just made it my uh, – my, my homepage on, on Twitter. Yeah, no, it's perfect. So check him out there on Twitter. It's qbconfidential.com, kurtwarner.org. And it's always a great privilege to have you on the show, Kurt, especially when you've already worked like 12 hours a day. So thank you so much for a couple of minutes. No problem. Always my pleasure. Great talking to you. I'm sure he means that with all of his heart. <laughs> Actually, it is really kind of him uh, and, and Kurt Hart, uh, Kurt, Kevin Harlan too sometimes because they do either NBA broadcasts in the case of Kevin, whose NBA season starts on Tuesday, or they do these games and you're at the stadium for hours. And I actually saw Kurt on NFL Network long before the game ever kicked off. And so for him to spend these extra few minutes talking to us, uh, and, man, do you learn something every time you hear him talk? Because even in those last 15 minutes, I just learned a bunch. QB Confidential, about to become my new favorite website. We've been asking you, and Kurt answered the question, to fill in the blank. Through six weeks, the offense in the NFL is what? He says choppy. Kurt Warner's answer, choppy. What's your answer? On Twitter, After Hours CBS, or on our Facebook page. Thanks so much for hanging out with us. I hope that you survived your Monday. Actually, I hope you kicked your Monday in the butt. It's After Hours. I met a guy recently who told me that he spends roughly $250,000 a month. I talked to another person recently who made $50 million at the age of 30. What do you do with that money? How do you spend it? How do you not spend it? What do you invest in? If you meet a rich person, these are questions everyone wants to know, but you're too embarrassed to ask. That's the whole premise of MoneyWise. We talk to real people who have made a significant amount of money, and we ask them all about their finances. My name's Sam Parr, and the podcast is called MoneyWise. That's one word, MoneyWise. You can find MoneyWise wherever you get your podcasts. With Amy Lawrence, CBS Sports Radio. You are listening to the After Hours Podcast. What just happened? Why is it that I try to talk and the voice God has to talk over me? Anyone? Anyone have a good idea? I love how no one wants to speak up when things go horribly wrong. I'll just sit in here and take it. All right. We were supposed to have a game five. Crickets all of a sudden. We were supposed to have a game five in the American League Division Series between the Yankees and the Guardians. Uh, and I, I don't know, Mar- Marco, you are here in studio. I know not only are you doing our network updates uh, on After Hours, but also with our New York affiliate. And it seems as though mm-hmm. people were very up in arms about the fact that 
it wasn't canceled for two and a half hours. So really quickly, let's hear what Brian Cashman, general manager of the Yankees, had to say, because, of course, the game was supposed to take place in the Bronx, and they didn't end up postponing it till about 9.30 Eastern time. We expected to play. It was supposed to be not a window. It was supposed to clear. And then a new system popped up. Not, I'd say for the last call we were at, once things started taking a little longer to clear, and we were actually wrestling with the first pitch time, and then a new system popped up. Weather is tricky. It's very unpredictable. But the full intention was an expectation. Every step of the way was we were playing the game tonight. Both teams wanted to play tonight. Uh, and then, unfortunately, uh, weather took us down. <laughs> Maybe I should be more upset about it or more understanding because I can imagine if I were sitting at Yankee Stadium for two and a half hours, I would be frustrated. But I, I tend to believe, Brian Cashman, that they thought they were going to get the the game in and didn't want to postpone it for obvious reasons, being that if they did postpone it and didn't get it in, well, then they got to turn around and play the opener of the ALCS a day later, whoever ends up surviving game five. I understand. Uh, I get all that, but you can't, and it's two and a half hours to sit there from when you thought first pitch was. So you're likely in that ballpark for about five hours in the rain. The players, which, you mean? Uh, people, too. People oh, get into okay. the, people get into the to the stadium early, but the idea is if you're gonna bring if you're gonna have a rain delay for two and a half hours, you got to talk to people at eight o'clock when the game was supposed to start at seven Eastern at eight, time, right? At eight o'clock, you got to start telling people, hey, we we have this system. We think we could start around nine thirty. Hey, we think we're gonna start at ten o'clock. You got to give somebody some sort of idea what is going on. What are you thinking? What are you doing? Because they kept saying, well, they're going to have a, a meeting at whatever. I think it was 630 Eastern before the 7 o'clock. And they knew, all right, we're going to start in a rain delay. And then they said they were going to have another meeting around 745. And then another one. Well, you're having all these meetings. Can you let somebody know? Are you mad? What What is Twitter for? What What is social media? What What is baseball doing? I actually did people. look on Twitter about the time the football game kicked off and thought, this is odd. I haven't seen an update. I, I, That's we knew it was still postponed because I turned over to TBS and it was Dwayne Wade's Cube game show or something like that. So I knew it was still postponed, but I, I can understand people were upset because there was no info. That's the biggest thing for me. Look, I get it. If you'd say, we thought we were going to get it in, and all of a sudden, we didn't see it. I mean, I don't know how you didn't see it, because that, that doesn't make a lot of sense to me, but I'm not a meteorologist. So I don't know what it is that you couldn't figure out from 8.30 to 9.15. That, that's confusing to me. But okay, I'll, I'll take your word for it. But you couldn't explain that to people at any point? Nothing? You said nothing from, we're going to start the game in a rain delay around 6.30 Eastern, you gave them zero updates until about 9.35, and you said, tomorrow at 4.07. That's it. All right. You let everybody pay for parking. All right. You let everybody buy all the food. You let well, everybody sit there for five hours. That should be nothing. refunded, no? Negative. Oh. You get nothing. That's you get wrong. none of that. And you also have to figure out a way to get back to, to that game back. the next day. When right. You, uh, it's in the middle of the afternoon. I'm assuming you have work. You didn't figure this. You didn't know this was going to happen. I understand that's part of the fine print. So, like, that part of it I can live with, mm -hmm. but not when you don't tell anybody anything. Like, if, if at 8 o'clock you said, we think we have a window that we can start at, say, 945 Eastern. At that point, if you're in the stands and you go, we're not going to start until 10 o'clock, roughly. You know what? I don't think I want to sit here all night. And you get up and you go. That's your choice. That's up to you. But at least you have a clue of what's going on, not at 815 going, hey, maybe at 830. Hey, maybe 845. Yeah. Hey, maybe I can understand the frustration there. 
I had football to keep me company, so I wasn't that stressed about it. But again, I had the football game too. I'm inside. I'm dry. You know, I'm watching <laughs> TV. Like I get it, but I can understand. Now we were a little confused because, as you said, you know, in the New York affiliate, we're we're the home of the Yankee baseball, so it was kind of confusing. Of are we going to play? We're we not going to play. You know, rain delay <laughs> and all that kind of. So, but it, it's still the idea of like you have to figure this out at some point. Like I, I know it's difficult, and I know it's we talk about this all the time. It's a lot of jobs that are difficult. Tough. Like, figure it out. <laughs> uh, one time I went to a game at Fenway Park. This was back when I was working in Providence Market. Went to a game at Fenway Park, and it was cold rain. It was April, mm-hmm. some such nonsense. Cold rain. They had us all packed in because it was – you were sitting in the stands getting soaked. So they had people get underneath in the concourses and the uh, you know just kind of fill out whatever space they could find. We were freezing Two hours and 15 minutes, and then they started the game. But they made it very clear to us that if we left, it, there was no refund for anything. And so most right. of the people stayed. But, yeah, I do remember it was cold, it was rainy, and it took two hours and 15 minutes of sitting in the concourse, that cold concrete in at Fenway Park, waiting for them to give us some kind of information. Yeah, like I said, all rain delays stink. We've all <laughs> been to them at some point, you know what I mean? But, like, it's still the idea of it is a playoff game. You have to give people that are sitting there Just some sort of clue. Agreed, except TV networks are involved in this too, and Major League Baseball is involved in this too, and clearly they wanted to get the game in. And that's fine, but you got to keep saying that we're going to still try. We're going to try 9.30. We're going to try 10 o'clock. We're going to try 10.15. Mm-hmm. You have to give an idea of what's going on, and that's the other thing too. Like I know I saw it a lot of places on social media, and I understand during the regular season, home team has a lot of say in not in the postseason. Not the this postseason. is all Major League Baseball. All so, Major like, League the baseball. idea that, like, oh, well, the Guardians wanted to play, the Yankees didn't, or the Yankees wanted to play, and the Guardians didn't. It doesn't Too matter bad. what you yeah, want to do. It doesn't matter. It, you know, you can say, hey, we really want to play. Major League Baseball is the one that's making the decision. They don't care what you say. Right, true. It's all about their TV networks and, and what's best for them to put the game on TV. One more from Brian Cashman. Again, this is after they called the game, and he was asked about the fans sitting there at the stadium for two and a half hours. A lot of people, you know, were forced to wait through some bad, bad weather. And for that, obviously, we're sorry. You know, there's no doubt about that. No one wants that for anybody. I don't wish that on, on our fans ever. And nobody wants to take, you know, have our customers struggle through that type of stuff. And, and uh, we all thought we were playing tonight. I can tell you that. So it's obviously rescheduled for Tuesday afternoon in the Bronx. It'll be 4 o'clock, both New York and Cleveland time. Nestor Cortez is going to start instead of Jamison Tyone. And at least right now, it's undecided for the Guardians, though I did hear that Aaron Savali was still going to start, but I don't, I'm don't. i not sure if they're changing that now or what. Uh, we'll find out tomorrow for sure the official word. Tito uh, Francona had said that before the game started in Game 5, I'm going to go with Savali. If they get rained out, what are you going to do? I'm going Savali in Game 5. Even if we can push back, I don't want to use Bieber on three days rest. But then Cleveland, after the game was over, didn't make it official. The Yankees mm-hmm. were quick. I mean, they, we're going to play at 4.07 Eastern tomorrow, and Nestor Cortez Jr. is going to like they were, <laughs> they were right on top of it. And Cleveland, it seems like they want to sleep on it. And probably, my guess, this is just speculation, I would think they probably want to check with Bieber to see if he can go. But it sounded like Francona made it Pretty evident before the game. I'm going Savali, but afterwards didn't want to make it official. Hmm. By the way, my friend Casey, who was here visiting, is a young woman that I mentor, and we had a chance to finally meet in person. First person she asked me about when she walked in the building, where's Marco Belletti? Uh Uh-huh. I mean, you have a groupie if you would like one. She's gone now, (laughs) so I can talk about her. No, she's not listening. First person. She didn't. I'm sorry, producer Jay. She didn't really 
Uh, I mean, it's not that she didn't care, but you were next on her list. <laughs> How can I with that? Actually, though, could I tell you one more thing? I would never do this in front of her because I would never embarrass her. She said, where's Michael Belletti? <laughs> My son? He's home. I'll be sleeping. Better be sleeping. I didn't. I just said, oh, you mean Marco? But I would never do that if she was still here. That's it was right. just super cute. That I was going to say, I'm cool with it. It's my she, brother and my son. There I'm you go. Cool. See? All right. Where's Michael Belletti? Um, I will say this. She seemed awesome. She's uh, And nice. a little bit that I talked to her. Very sweet. Uh, and I'll say this. If you are, if you do happen to be listening to Casey, I apologize. I'm sorry that I didn't live up to <laughs> oh, whatever you had no, no. Turn in your head. But, oh, my gosh. Um, she's just so, she even said, oh, you and you and Marco, after I corrected her, have such good chemistry. And I was like, well, we've been working together for 10 years now. We're old. So, yes. 10 years. Yeah. Well, when you're 26, 10 years is a really long time. Right? So. Eh, what's another 10 years? Are we still going to be here in 10 years? I hope I am. You, you know do? something I don't? Another 10 years? More than that. Whoa. Why not? I mean, the hours are kind of tough, man. I think I'm getting old fast. Uh, I'm, I'm, <laughs> the, the, that ship sailed. I'm down that slope. I'm, you know, there's... Gravity. I'm, I'm that, you know, that stuff that Chevy Chase on like Christmas vacation that he put on the sled that's going yes. right down the hill. Like, you that's know, you. That's me. That's right. so, I got no choice. I mean, if it's good for Marco I, or Michael, I suppose I can continue. You better be asleep. <laughs> yep. Stars in her eyes, Michael Belletti. <laughs> it's after hours with Amy Lawrence. So we'll do a little more of the baseball preview because we do actually have the NLCS beginning on Tuesday come hell or very high water. Uh, and we've got more of your responses about football. The offense around the NFL this season has been what? Fill in the blank. Kurt Warner said, Choppy, what's your answer? You are listening to the After Hours Podcast. Any clarity on the Robbie Anderson situation? The only thing that I'm being told, the team is officially saying, all they are saying is that uh, he is not on the field and it is not injury-related, Anish. Yeah, the television cameras, if you're listening and watching, they caught him having words with Joe Daly, the wide receivers coach, and then walked off the field clearly unhappy. I'm not going to uh, focus and put a lot of attention on one individual. Uh, we can talk about the game. We can talk about situations within the game. We can talk about the things we're going to do moving forward. But I'm not putting a lot of energy into one individual. I was honestly confused because I want to be in the game. You know, I've never been told in X amount of years to get out of the game in, four, in the fourth quarter. You know, so I was honestly confused and, you know, you know, upset by it as I should be. This is After Hours with Amy Lawrence. You definitely should be because your hours were numbered with the Carolina Panthers. And maybe that's just fine with Robbie Anderson, who, yes, was kicked out of the stadium or at least told to get to the locker room by Steve Wilkes after coach decided that he'd seen enough of Robbie jawing with his position coach and then separating himself from the rest of the team when they were trying to rally in Los Angeles against the Rams on Sunday. And Steve Wilkes didn't want to talk about it specifically after the game, uh, but it's safe to say that the Cardinals, not the Cardinals, sorry, uh, the Panthers came up with a quick solution, and that was to trade Robbie to the Cardinals, who incidentally had another hole on their roster because Marquise Brown, Hollywood Brown, suffered a foot injury that is reportedly going to sideline him indefinitely. 
It's After Hours with Amy Lawrence on CBS Sports Radio. It's kind of crazy how this has played out. Remember that the Cardinals traded for Hollywood Brown. He had a pre-existing relationship with Kyler Murray going back to Oklahoma. They traded for him on draft night because the Ravens were willing to part with him. He suffered what could be a season-ending injury, although he told reporters on Sunday that the x-rays were negative and is going to get a second opinion. But he gets pulled into the Cardinals' fold. Why? Because of DeAndre Hopkins, because they're missing him, who, by the way, is about to return. Now they lose Brown, and they bring in Robbie Anderson. Gosh, it's a revolving door. That's tough if you're a quarterback, even when you do have a pre-existing relationship. Now, I don't think that's the bulk of the issue with Kyler Murray, but I say this a lot in sports. Constant change equals constant losing. According to Adam Schefter, the Panthers are receiving a sixth rounder and a seventh rounder in exchange for Robbie Anderson. And Cliff Kingsbury, he was already talking about it Monday. Had an opportunity to get a guy bring some speed and, and um, that dynamic that Hollywood has. And uh, so we'll kind of see where he fits in. And just for the long term, uh, with guys getting hurt, we need some more uh, wideouts in here. <laughs> you need some more something in there. Have, have you answered our question? It's not really a question. I guess it's a question phrased in the form of a fill in the blank. These are actually my favorites because I feel like these come up with uh, such humorous and varied responses. The offense around the NFL this season is what? Through six weeks. The offense around the league this season is what? So you can fill in the blank on Twitter after our CBS or on our Facebook page and As I say, many of you are responding. We've already seen dozens of you weigh in. Let's start with a few that are on Facebook. And again, Kurt Warner told us choppy. I'm just going to keep saying that Kurt Warner told us choppy that he was on the show just because (laughs) it's only happened twice in two years. And it's a huge deal for me personally because I'm a huge fan, uh, but also because I learn something every time I listen to him or every time I talk to him. Ted on Facebook goes with the word scraps. The offense around the NFL this season is scraps. Interesting. Joe says, like watching two good high school JV teams play. Oh, yeah, it is. Oh, my gosh. I suppose that's the same guy who would say Alabama or Tennessee would be the hot take right now. Tennessee can beat the worst NFL team. (laughs) Uh, let's see. Andrew goes with subpar. Would definitely agree with that. Although the thing is, we've seen flashes, right? We do see the incredible plays from receivers or tight ends or even running backs. I mean, we see them flash the talent. It's just not consistent. Timothy says on Facebook, offensive to watch. (laughs) Steven goes with atrocious. Sandy, questionable. David says, considering the rule changes the past 10 or so years, I'd have to say sad. (laughs) Meaning, as we've pointed out, the rules are supposed to facilitate offense. They're supposed to 
encourage flow and motion and wide open spaces and don't touch any offensive player ever so he can make brilliant plays. Tommy uses the word stale. Todd fills in the blank this way, very challenged. But as long as the games are close, it's all good. Donnie goes with too analytical. That's interesting. Dave, putrid. Chris, lacking. Vince says, hard to watch. (laughs) Most games are defensive struggles. Let's see. Brandon uses, oh gosh, it's a Charles Barkley meme. Terrible. (laughs) Uh, Glenn goes with anemic. I like that. David says, pampered. Holding and roughing the passer calls are jokes. Not all of them. Uh, Pamela says inconsistent. Well, that is true. Damien, unpredictable. Anthony, unbelievable. (laughs) Steven, horrible. Bill, slightly offensive. Eric, scatterbrained. Josue, sardonic. That's interesting. (laughs) Rob says hesitant. It's After Hours with Amy Lawrence on CBS Sports Radio. 